Hey, it's Christine Gowdy, and I'm back with a very special edition of Moonshot Podcast. I call this segment Letters from Listeners because I've received so many of your emails and messages on social media, and I feel like your questions could apply to a lot of people. So I figure if I tackle them on the podcast, then maybe more listeners can actually get some value out of this as well. Um, I've had about a dozen uh, messages and, and emails come in, And I'm so excited about that because that tells me that you're listening, you're interested, you're engaged, and you're learning and you want to learn more. And that's why I made this podcast to begin with. I felt like this is a podcast by an entrepreneur and really focused on delivering information to sole proprietors and entrepreneurs everywhere. And I wish I had a podcast like this when I was first starting my company. I couldn't really find anything uh, at this scale with bite-sized nuggets. I could only find like the bigger, grander kind of podcast that I couldn't really quite relate to when I was a new founder. So I'm, I'm so happy. I'm so excited that you guys are finding some value in this. And I hope to continue that with all the guests that I'm bringing on and all the insight that they're sharing. I feel like I'm learning so much from everyone that comes on the show. Even my co-founder that was on one episode, I feel like I'm learning new things about people all the time. And I, I really try to dive deep into the world of entrepreneurship for you because I think it's important to create this transparency and just be realistic about what all of this looks like from all different perspectives. So anyways, without further ado, I'm going to just pick a few questions that came in this week. Uh, Questions that I feel like are very relevant to a lot of people. And I'm going to do my best to respond and see what I can uh, dig up from the depths of my memory. All right, here we go. So question number one from Chris, have you ever had to bite your tongue in a meeting with a potential investor? The answer to this question is an absolute yes. Uh, There's been quite a few times that I've been in a pitch meeting where I pitched and the investor listened. And a few times an investor has been, I would say, a little bit rude, maybe a bit curt. Um, And I think it came from the power dynamic, you know, and I think that they enjoyed seeing me squirm in one instance in particular. But for me, that's okay, you know, because if someone treats me like that in a pitch meeting where I'm in a very vulnerable position and they're in a position of power, it shows me who they are. So I don't necessarily want to do business with someone that doesn't respect me or respect what I'm trying to do. Even if they don't really understand it or they don't really know me, then there's all the more reason to treat me with respect because you don't know who I am and you don't know my capabilities. So there's been times in in pitch meetings where an investor has been rude and I usually, you know, stay extremely professional and that's always my go-to. But there's been a couple of times where I shut down and by shut down, I mean like I just didn't want to talk to them anymore. It just makes things a little bit uncomfortable, but... You know, there comes a point, too, where you don't really worry about making someone else comfortable when they're trying to make you uncomfortable. So there's been those scenarios. But listen, they're very few and far between, I have to say, because I would say 90, 98% of pitches and investors that I have met and pitched to have been wonderful. And, And most investors I've met have been very forthcoming with, you know, feedback and 
ideas to help me and and wanting to even work with me outside of an investment scenario in terms of just trying to help me and provide resources for me to succeed. So it's very few and far between. But you know what I have to always say to people, I picture anyone in that scenario. And all I can say is that when you encounter anyone rude in entrepreneurship, or when you have your own business or whatever that looks like, just always be professional. Always, 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 you know, be courteous, be confident. And there's times you have to be a bit assertive, but be professional. You don't ever, ever want to walk away from a pitch meeting, from investors or whoever else is in the room and feel like you didn't put your best foot forward, regardless of how they act. Because at the end of the day, if someone's rude to you and you have to bite your tongue, you don't have to take the money from them either. So if they decide, okay, we want you and we're going to invest in you, great. You know what? I'm going to think about it. Thank you so much for the offer. And then you can walk away. I don't think ethically I would want to take a check from someone who was rude to me. And that's always been my mantra. I I just don't feel good about that. And I want to do business with people who are ethical. I want to do business with people that are respectful and especially respectful to people they don't know well, which would be me in that scenario. So if you show me right out of the gate that you're rude, that you're aggressive or dominating, well, then why would I want you as an investor? Because that's how you're going to treat me when you give me your money. I don't think things get better when that person cuts you a million dollar check or quarter of a million dollar check. I don't think they're going to get nicer. I think they're going to push you even harder to succeed as aggressive as they need to be because they want a return on their investment. So that's how I view those kinds of scenarios. I walk away and I keep my head up and I stay professional. Hard to do at times. Like I said, there's been a couple of times I got a bit quiet, but being quiet and snapping back are two very different things. And so I just feel like as long as I can walk away and feel like I conduct it myself the best I could, I'm happy with that. And so that's my two cents on that question. Uh, Another question that came in this week, I found interesting because I hear this so much. The question was, do you think people often glamorize or sugarcoat entrepreneurship when they talk about it? I would say absolutely 100%. I think we live in a world where we celebrate success and we celebrate people who earn lots and lots of money and we kind of deem them as, you know, these idols of sorts. When you think about Mark Zuckerberg or whatever his name is, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and all these guys are like billionaires. They make it look so easy because you're just seeing the polished end product of these guys, right? When these guys are building space companies and multiple companies and exiting companies and building new companies. And I mean, they just make it look so easy and you didn't see all the struggle and the years of hardship they put in to begin with. And that's the same as any entrepreneur. You just see the success stories and you see when people get the big fundraising checks or they get the big opportunities or the big sales or whatever that is. But you don't see all the founders that close their company and walk away from entrepreneurship because it didn't work out for them. And that's a majority of entrepreneurs, right? So to go back to the question, do you think people glamorize or sugarcoat entrepreneurship? A resounding yes. I think TV shows definitely do that as well. When you see people on TV, on these pitch shows and Shark Tank and everything, and, and you know, they just 
show up, get investment, and then like tickety-boo, like everything is great and everything is amazing. It's all just so glamorized. And it seems like when we watch those shows in particular, you know, they tell the dragons or the sharks, oh yeah, I've made 500000 in revenue this year. And when those investors don't seem impressed, then we feel like, oh God, okay, so you know, the measure of success is to have a, a $10 million company as opposed to a $1 million company in terms of revenue. So I just think those things are warping our perspective on what success looks like. And also really glamorizing things to make it look really fancy as well. And I think social media does a really great job at <laughs> glamorizing it because it's all smoke and mirrors. That's what no one ever seems to understand. You see these people posing and posturing on social media. I don't believe them because I know the reality behind so many people, whether it's people in the fitness industry with their Lamborghinis or people, you know, just entrepreneurs that have startups and they're, I don't know, just rocking thousand dollar sneakers. It's just, listen, you have to understand it's a lot of smoke and mirrors because if you don't, you're going to fall for that trick and you're going to think you're going to make millions in a span of a couple of years. And that is not reality, right? It's just not. Most often, entrepreneurs that I know, when we see each other, we're dressed like, oh my goodness, like we've got on Lululemon pants and t-shirts and jean jackets. And like, we're just dressed like a normal person. We're not rocking out, you know, in these like $10,000 purses and whatnot. It's just nonsense. It's just, it is. And so if you fall for that, then you're going to fall for the dream of entrepreneurship as opposed to the journey. And the journey is what defines a really true entrepreneur. It's how much you love the, the, the path to get to your goals. And there's no end goal, right? There's no final destination is what I mean. So you might be very determined to build a company and then exit at a certain stage. And that's a healthy way to build a business to plan to sell it or license it or or do something with it after a certain amount of time. But, you know, if you don't love the journey, you're never going to get to the point of selling the company or licensing or, or getting through an acquisition because it takes too much out of you. And the long days and the long nights and the long, you know, overtime on the weekends and missed vacations, I mean... That's why you got to love it. And, and that's what really, really sets apart a good entrepreneur from a great entrepreneur. So, so that's, that's my two cents on that one. Definitely glamorized. It's not that it's not great though, okay? So I just don't want to confuse those two things because I wouldn't be doing this unless I loved it, loved it, loved it from the core of my soul. And I do. I, I love every day. I get up, I have my coffee, I jump into my work. I'll work all day. I'll work all night. Like right now it's eight o'clock at night and I'm doing this podcast just because I love anything to do with entrepreneurship and, and ways to, you know, grow anything. And now I'm kind of doing this as a side hustle to grow my podcast, but as if I wasn't busy enough, but I enjoy it. Right. And so this is a, a very, a very, I don't know, extensive career. Is that a good way to put it? I don't know. It, it just kind of expands into all aspects of your life, but you got to love it. And like I said, I do love it. So, so I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. It's a long haul though. Okay. So just 
please understand that it is a long haul for most entrepreneurs. And we're talking not a year, not two years, we're talking more like a decade. And even then you might want to do more with it or sell your company and then start a new one. Crazy folks like us, that's what we do. (laughs) I think if Granville went away tomorrow, I would literally wake up tomorrow morning. And if I knew Granville was gone, poof, out of nowhere, or if I sold it and tomorrow the deal went through, I think tomorrow afternoon, I would be uh, incorporating my new entity and I already have ideas for that and I just feel like it just never ends. So that's that's how you know you're built to do this and, and that's a reflection of, of your love for it. So yeah, there's no, there's no end destination for me. I just want to keep doing this and I want to find ways to keep giving back and and that's a really, that feels really good. I have a lot of satisfaction and I feel very, like it's a very rewarding career because I make it that way, right? Not because someone's handing me million dollar checks because they're not. Um, it's the hustle, it's the grind, it's the long days and I love it all. Anyways, so that's, <laughs> there's my rant. Um, let me move on to another question here. Okay, there's a really good one actually and this one stands out because I don't think anyone's ever asked me this one before, but I think this is a really important question for all of us to know the answer to. This person said, when should someone fold their business? And I guess what they mean by that is when when should you know it's time to close your business and walk away, close your company or shut it down and walk away? I would have to say that when your company or business takes over your life and there's no more balance, And you are, you know, we have to be all in as entrepreneurs, but when you're all in to the point where your physical health is suffering, your mental health is suffering, your family life is suffering, and just your overall balance of time off and downtime, and you have none of that anymore, and I would think it's fair to say, listen, and I'm not a, I'm not a professional advisor, (laughs) but I'm thinking that's pretty normal to think that if you... If everything's falling apart for you, it's time to walk away. And like I said before, not everyone is built to be an entrepreneur, and that's okay. There's amazing jobs and amazing companies where you don't have to run the company. I know a lot of entrepreneurs that folded it up and said, like, this is crazy and it's not for me. And they went to work for someone else in a great position, and they're having the time of their lives, right? So... Just because you try entrepreneurship and fail, or maybe it's not failure, maybe you just choose to do something different. My God, like there's nothing wrong with that at all. And there's no such thing as failing, actually. So I take that back. There's no such thing as failing. You're just making different choices every step of the way. The sad reality is, too, some entrepreneurs are an entrepreneur to the core, and that's all they want to do no matter what. It still doesn't mean it's going to work for them right? So if you don't know when to throw in the towel and you're losing relationships and your car is getting repoed, I think it's time to throw in the towel. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, (laughs) I think it should definitely happen way before that though. You should not be filing for personal bankruptcy to keep a company or a dream alive. I don't think it's worth that. I really don't because there's ways around that these days. There's funding opportunities. There's incubators and accelerators and investors and people that can help you so to give up everything and to sacrifice your family life that to me is the saddest part don't do that don't ever do that and also as I guess equally as important 
to never go to the gym and never work out and never take care of yourself, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't sacrifice your physical health, your mental health, your physical health. Those are equally as important and those should not be neglected. So I don't even know which one's more important, to be honest, family life, mental health, uh, physical health, spiritual health for a lot of us as well. It just needs to be balanced. And I'm trying to get better at it. I'm trying to practice what I preach because it is hard to balance all of it when you're an entrepreneur, especially when you're just starting a company. And the first two years will definitely take you to your knees a couple of times and take everything out of you. Your company will expect everything out of you and you have to give it. (laughs) And so those first couple of years, if you can make it through those, it's time to then rebalance and get back to where you were a little bit before you started the venture because that's so critically important and connected to success too. If we think of success as holistic, But anyways, I'm just kind of getting off track. The question had to do with when should someone fold their business? That's when. When you have to give up everything that you value and you love in your life to make this vision possible, I think then it's it's time to let it go because it's not worth it. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to wake up with someone else's idea of success, whether that's money or notoriety or whatever it is, and have nothing because that to me sounds very, very sad and very lonely. And I don't want that. I like laughing. I like my friends. I love being around my partner and my dog and my family. And I love my extracurricular activities and traveling. And I want the things in life that create joy. And I want the moments, right? I don't, I don't care about the money to that extent where I lose everything. So that's when I think it's safe to say you should probably fold it up and And try something different. It does not mean you failed at all. It means you're choosing something different. And honestly, you're kind of just choosing yourself then too, right? Um, I think we have time for one more question. Let me see what I can throw in here. What is one piece of advice you wish you'd known earlier? And this is a really great question too, because I think if I had to go back and look at, you know, the journey of the past four and a half years, And even before that, because I had another company before Granville and I was a sole proprietor prior to that. But I think if I had one piece of advice given to me back then, it would have been someone who had to sit me down and say, Christine, your financial health of the company is critically important and directly linked to its success down the road. And no one ever told me that. And I just figured that I would sort it out as I went, like we always think as entrepreneurs. And I spent a long time doing that and just kind of winging it and getting random accounting firms to help me here, there, and and whenever. And after a couple of years, my financial everything, bookkeeping, everything, you name it, was upside down. Like it just, it gets out of control so fast. If you're not actively managing the bookkeeping, that gets really crazy really quickly and I'll be honest with you we're four and a half years into this and I'm still cleaning up mistakes that were made in year number one and number two in fact we just resubmitted a CRA document a couple of months ago because we had to redo our taxes from 2021 if that gives you any idea learn from my mistakes please like I'll be honest with my mistakes and if you want to learn from them I hope you do I would always say get some sort of financial advisor 
you probably can't afford a CFO and somebody with this big fancy title when you start off and you don't need them. You just need some sort of trusted resource through your accelerator or incubator program or someone who's startup friendly. Always make sure you ask the accounting firm or person, are you startup friendly? Do you have, you know, reduced costs for startups? A lot of them do, FYI. Uh, and, And go from there. You know, you can do your personal taxes yourself. Don't even bother trying to do your corporate taxes yourself. Because when we get into, especially for like a life sciences company or a healthcare company or or anything in my world, because you're talking like research and development expenses and costs and you're talking about um, salaries and you're talking about personnel and staff that live in all different provinces and oh different types of provincial government funding agency grants and this and that like there's just so much to it you don't want to get it wrong you do not want to be cleaning this up two three four five years from now what a headache and if you get it wrong like we did yeah we had a really great time getting audited by the cra last year so anyways Don't forget about that. That can that's a real thing that can happen. They sent me a, an email and let me know I was being audited and it stole 3 months of my life. My evenings, my weekends, pulling out receipts from boxes and invoices and trying to find numbers that I couldn't reconcile and oh my goodness. So if you, you know, if you like torture, I mean then yeah, mess up your finances. If you like life being pleasant, just make sure you get that handled in the early days. And so that's what I wish someone told me. And, and so now moving forward, if I start a new company or if I know someone's starting a company, absolutely make sure you get those finances in order. Hire a bookkeeper or learn how to do bookkeeping yourself. Don't think it's not important. It is. Those are my thoughts on that. I'm so glad you guys are sending in questions. Like I said, it's it makes me realize like you guys are listening and people are learning and want to learn more. I think that's so great. And keep the questions coming. I don't mind. Just keep hitting me on social media, whatever you want, or by email if you know my email. And uh, just let me know what you think. Send me your thoughts. Send me your questions. As always, if you want to see a certain guest on here, for sure. I'll I'll reach out to them. I'll try. (laughs) And uh, I'll do my best to get some really great people on here. So far, the guests have been really, really great. I have a few more ready to go over the next couple of weeks. And I think you're going to really, really enjoy these episodes with these guests because they're sharing so much insight uh, into entrepreneurship, investment, um, just sole proprietorships, and also the process and the why behind why they do what they do. I find it fascinating. It sounds like you guys are enjoying it too. So I'm so grateful. I'm glad you guys are listening. Keep tuning in. I guess uh, I'll uh, meet you back here in a few days. Hope you're having a great day. Thanks so much again for listening. See ya.